Okay, everyone, hang on to your hats. We're going to do a whistle-stop tour through some of the slides in the dermatology quiz. I'm going to stop at those slides where I think the conditions are either common and you need to know about them, or perhaps less common, but you still need to know about them. So if we start with slide one, I hope you will recognise this as eczema. It's involving the flexures and you have this typical dry scaling appearance. There's some redness. This rash is going to be itchy and you can see some excoriation of the skin with some superficial breaking down of the skin, both due to the eczema itself and scratching. So it's the distribution really and the appearance that gives this away. Moving on to another common condition in slide two, this again is eczema, but it's varicose eczema, which is the form of eczema you see in older people. And as the name would suggest, is associated with chronic ins venous insufficiency and varicose veins. It affects the distal part of the legs, so you see it around the ankles and the feet. And you get this thickened, lichenified appearance. The brown appearance of the skin is due to hemosiderin deposition. If you also look as well, you can see what's called a bottleneck deformity, which is where you get tightening of the skin around the ankles. This is all related to chronic venous insufficiency. Going to move on to slide number four, mostly by means of just thinking about the description here. So this is a description of a guttate rash. Guttate uh, means teardrops. And there's actually quite a wide range of differentials for guttate rashes. What I suspect this may be is guttate psoriasis, which is a form of psoriasis that commonly follows on from streptococcal infection. But as I say, other conditions can cause guttate rashes, viral infections being a good example. We go to flat number, sorry, to slide number five. This is most definitely psoriasis. You can see these thickened plaques on the skin. A plaque is where you have an area that's well demarcated. And you can see exactly that here. There's some scaling, which is typical of psoriasis, with this sort of silvery grey appearance to it. And again, the um, distribution of plaque psoriasis tends to be on the extensor surfaces. And that's what can help tell it apart from eczema. Slide number six is another manifestation of psoriasis that we see here, pitting of the nail, uh, with some nail dystrophy. Nail dystrophy is thickening and discoloration of the nail. So nail dystrophy and pitting is usually associated with psoriasis. You can get nail dystrophy as a result of trauma and fungal infection. Slide number seven reminds us that psoriasis can occur on the scalp, in fact, quite a common place for it. And again, we're seeing quite a discrete plaque on the scalp here with typical scaling, but sometimes psoriasis on the scalp can be more diffuse and it can be difficult at times to tell it apart from another condition called seborrheic eczema or dermatitis. Again, slide number eight is a common skin condition. And we can see uh, papules, redness, uh, 
uh, but importantly pustules here. And this is juvenile acne. If you have a close look, you can also see it in the crease of the nose. So again, with uh, acne, teenage acne, it tends to be the face and upper back and trunk that are predominantly affected, can affect the scalp as well. Worth contrasting slide number eight with slide number nine because they look quite similar. But I hope you'll see that slide number nine involves a patient in a different age group uh, and also that the appearance of the rash is subtly different. The, the papules are more discreet and the distribution of the rash is what we call a malar or butterfly rash. And this appearance um, is suggestive of acne rosacea, which has some um, features that are similar to, to acne, but affects a, a different age group. So I could mention some conditions that are uncommon but you need to know about and, and certainly slide number 10 uh, is fairly horrific and something you need to be aware of. What we see here is extensive desquamation of the skin. If we look at slide number 11, clearly from a different patient, you can also see this on the peripheries. And again, without knowing the medical histories here, I'm, I'm hazarding a guess, but these appearances are both suggestive of Stephen Johnson's syndrome, which can uh, be severe, indeed, even fatal. Uh, rare, but you need to know about it. You need to know what can precipitate it. Um, and you certainly would want to recognise that if it came into your consulting room. Slides number 12 and 13 are slides showing slightly different manifestations of the same problem, which is erythema multiforme. The classical lesion with erythema multiforme is best seen in slide 12, where you don't need too much of an eye of faith to describe these as target lesions. They look like bullseyes on, a, on an archery target. What we've seen in slide number 13 is where these lesions have become more confluent. And that's not an uncommon thing in a number of skin disorders, and, and it can change the morphology of the lesion as the problem progresses. There are a, a long list of potential causes of erythema multiforme, uh, herpes infection being one of them. Slide number 14, another dermatology horror show, really. This again fits into the category of rare but important. This is a patient with erythroderma. Erythroderma is an inflammatory process affecting the whole skin surface. And you can get extensive desquamation, which we're seeing here. Again, the list of potential causes is long, uh, but thankfully it is uncommon and it's a dermatological emergency, as you might imagine. Moving on to commoner things, I'm sure you'll recognise slides 16 and 17 as being warts. Contrasting a little with slide 18, uh, where you have this pigmented appearance, uh, this is a seborrheic keratosis or seborrheic wart. You see these in older people, uh, sometimes still called senile warts. These are non-malignant skin lesions and are given away by the sort of cauliflower appearance but fairly regular outline. 
And in slide 19, you'll see a man uh, demonstrating another manifestation you quite commonly see in the elderly, which is separate change. You tend to get this in bald old men like me uh, over the scalp and over the face uh, in parts of the base of the bin exposed to the sun. Going to run through the slide 22, which you should recognize as cellulitis. Uh, this is bright red appearance of the leg with margination at the edges, or geographical appearance. If you were to lay a hand on this, it will be hot. The patient may well be uh, systemically upset with a fever. And cellulitis not uncommonly requires admission to hospital for intravenous antibiotics. Going back several slides again to the picture of varicose eczema, um, sometimes that's misdiagnosed as cellulitis. And quite an important differentiation is that cellulitis is almost always unilateral, whereas varicose eczema is bilateral. going to skip through a few slides uh, just to get to number 25 again because it's just very common. This is a condition called molluscum contagiosum, absolutely typical appearance of these multiple small umbilicated lesions. Almost always clears up on its own but can take a few months. Going through from slide 26, the various manifestations of the herpes virus family. So slide 26 is relatively straightforward herpes labialis, which is herpes type 1. Whereas slide 27 is chickenpox varicella. Um, and again, you'll see these uh, vesicular lesions, but more widespread. Same virus in slide 28, but you'll see a very different distribution here. Vesicles affecting the dermatome, and this is shingles. Slide 29 is worth just a quick look. There was seeing some depigmentation of the skin uh, in patches here. You could be forgiven for thinking this is vitiligo, which we'll see later, but actually there's not complete loss of pigmentation. And this is actually much more likely to be a fungal infection called pityriasis versicolor, which can affect skin pigmentation so that it shows up in the summer months. More of a nuisance problem than anything too much to worry about, but not an uncommon reason for people to come and see their GP. And to compare and contrast, slide number 31 shows vitiligo, which is an autoimmune condition causing complete loss of skin pigmentation. And if you are a patient of Asian or African origin with darkly pigmented skin, then the appearance can be, as in this case, pretty dramatic and unsightly for the patient. really want to close by, uh, again, a run through a few slides that show lesions in the skin that look suspicious. So if you look at slide number 33, we see a nodular lesion affecting the side of this patient's nose. It's irregular and it has increased vascular vasculature. This looks to me to be suspicious of a basal cell carcinoma. If this isn't treated at this stage, it will get bigger and become disfiguring, but BCCs do not metastasize.
Moving on to slide number 36, we see an ulcerating lesion. So this is um, another way that skin cancers can present. Some, some of them are nodular, some of them are ulcerating. This ulcerating lesion could be of almost any histology, but I suspect it may well be a squamous cell carcinoma. You can see some necrotic tissue at the base of the ulcer. Again, this clearly needs referral. If we move through slides 38 through to 41, in fact, no, 42, we see a number of manifestations of malignant melanoma. And you do need to know the criteria for diagnosing malignant melanoma, variable pigmentation, size of the lesion, shape of the lesion, bleeding. Worth drawing a little bit of attention to Slide number 40, which shows this linear deposition beneath the nail, and this is suspicious of a subungual melanoma. It can be misdiagnosed as nail trauma. But malignant melanoma is an important condition to diagnose early, and as if left undiagnosed, you can end up with metastatic malignant melanoma, which is a very unpleasant form of cancer to have. I hope you found that useful. Uh, good luck with the rest of your dermatology studies and do go back uh, to the original presentation and follow some of the links to DermNet. Um, our New Zealand friends are particularly good on skin problems. Many thanks. Goodbye.